0: All right, tonight we go to Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13. It's a very important chapter because it introduces us to two key figures who will have a global impact in the last half of the tribulation. Those two key figures are the Antichrist and his right-hand man, the false Prophet. Uh, Now, just so that I won't get somebody saying something to me afterwards, let me remind you, I said this, I believe it was last week, Uh, I I intentionally try not to capitalize the word Satan or other references to him, devil, antichrist, etc. Now, I know I did in the title, I know I did in the heading, but but throughout the outline, uh, if you'll say, oh, pastor, that should have been capitalized. I intentionally don't do that. Just a personal preference of mine. I just don't want to recognize him or give him any kind of credit. So uh, that, that's just just note so you'll understand why the outline looks the way it does. The two key figures we're going to talk about tonight are the Antichrist and the False Prophet. The Antichrist and the False Prophet are the second and third members of what we might call the Satanic Trinity. The devil is the one who imitates God the Father. The Antichrist is the one who will imitate Jesus Christ, God's Son, or oppose Him. And then the false prophet is the one who will imitate, be like, the Holy Spirit. So you take the devil and the Antichrist and the false prophet and put those three together and you have a a false trinity, a satanic trinity. So tonight we're going to start by talking about the Antichrist, the man who could be alive at this very hour. That's not, just not hyperbole. That, that's absolutely true. He could be. I'm not saying that he is, but he could be alive at this very hour. And you don't ask me after church, well, who do you think it is? And if you tell me who you think it is, I'll just shake my head and smile. But he could be. He could be alive somewhere. This very hour. Now, don't forget the context. So, let's start in chapter 12, verse 17, to get the context. Remind us, we talked last time in chapter 12 about the woman and the dragon. The woman representing the people of God. The dragon, of course, representing Satan. Uh, Then it says, verse 17, that the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Those who obey God's commandments... And hold to the testimony of Jesus. So that's the context. And then we read in verse 1 that the Antichrist will suddenly arrive on the world stage. It says in verse 1, And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. And John says, And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. And John describes the beast. he's He's trying to describe what he saw in this vision. He said, He had ten horns. Seven heads with ten crowns on his horns and on each head a blasphemous name. Interesting description that on each head he had a blasphemous name. During the second half of the tribulation, the Antichrist will become essentially the president of the planet. During the second half of the, of the tribulation, he will become the world's last dictator. Not a dictator of of a country, not a dictator of a territory, but a dictator of the world. He will not be sent by God, but he will certainly be sent to oppose God. And when he comes, the Bible says that he will come out of the sea. Now, we could talk for a while about what that means, what the possibilities are, but let me just kind of summarize one or two possibilities. It's probably a reference, it's likely a reference to the fact that the Antichrist uh, will come from the Gentile nations of the world. Now, I'll tell you why that's important in just a moment, but just understand that he's probably referencing the fact that he's, that he's going to arise from one of the Gentile nations. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, go to chapter 17, verse 15. Chapter 17, verse 15. Then the angel said to me, The waters that you saw, the sea, the waters that you saw, where the prostitute sits, here's what they are. They are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So many scholars believe that when you go back to chapter 13, and he's talking about this, this beast coming out of the sea, that the word sea there probably is a reference to the sea of humanity the Sea of Humanity, and likely it is a reference to the Gentile areas of the world. And, and again, I'll, I'll explain that in just a moment. So, so it's quite likely that the Antichrist is someone who will be a Gentile rather than someone who will be from a Jewish descent. Some say that the reference to the sea might even speak about the Mediterranean Sea, that, that he would arise from around the Mediterranean Sea. You might write in Daniel chapter 7 in your notes there on the side. You can check that out later. Uh, some would see there a reference to the Mediterranean area. But the main thing I want you to see is that the Antichrist will suddenly arrive on the world stage. He, he will have his time in the spotlight of the world. And then I want you to notice what he is. The Antichrist, secondly, will be the incarnation of Satan. It says in verse 2, The beast I saw resembled a leopard. John says he's not a leopard, but he resembled a leopard. But had feet like those of a bear and the mouth like that of a lion. The dragon, notice this, the dragon, which represents Satan... The dragon gave the beast his power, his throne, and great authority. There's several things I want to call to your attention. First of all, I want you to notice the family likeness. In chapter 12, verse 3, look how Satan is described. Chapter 12, verse 3, Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns. So then I go to chapter 13, verse 1. I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads and ten crowns on his horns. And on each head a blasphemous name. Not exactly word for word the same, but quite like what we have read about Satan. You see, the, the Antichrist is going to be the visible expression of the invisible devil. Think of him in those terms. Jesus once said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Antichrist will be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father, the devil. Think of the Antichrist in these terms. He is the Satan Superman. He is the devil's Messiah. He is the devil in flesh. You see, Just like Jesus was God in human flesh, the Antichrist is going to be Satan in a human body. Think how devilish he will be. Satan in a human body. That is, the Antichrist is going to be a person. The Antichrist is not some mystical figure or he's not some... uh, Invisible force, but the Antichrist is going to be a person who walks this earth. He'll be Satan in the flesh. All right? Now, notice, however, that John does not describe him uh, as a man in this text. He describes him with picturesque language. It's a symbolic reference that reveals some things about his origin and his character. He describes him as a beast beast is a wild animal under the control of Satan. He, and he, he describes the seven heads and, all, and the ten horns. And I'm going to kind of skip that part because in chapter 17, we'll talk about these numbers and uh, what they represent. So let me just talk to you about the, the family lineage. Uh, he says in verse 2, look how he describes it in verse 2. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. All right, tell me again, I want to see if you're listening. In verse 2, what are the animals that are, that are mentioned here? All right, write in the side notes there, that additional note section. Again, Daniel chapter 7, and I'm going to give you some verses to read. Verses 1 through 8, verses 15 through 28. Verses 1 through 8 and verses 15 through 28. We don't have time to read them tonight. But, but John, saw, what John saw... The beast that he saw in this vision is a reverse order of what Daniel saw. Daniel saw the same the same beast, he lists them in a different order. John looking back, Daniel looking ahead, they saw the same thing. The Antichrist will be a composite of these animals. Many believe that the lion represents Babylon, the bear represents Media Persia, and the leper represents Greece, those areas. So so basically, what this is saying is that the Antichrist will be a composite of all the world's leaders that served under Satan. Now, there's something I want you to see and I do not want you to miss in the second half of verse 2. For a time, for a time, he will have power to do anything he wants. Look what it says in the second half of verse 2. The dragon... Satan gave the beast his power. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. There will be a physical person, a man who walks the earth, who will have the power of Satan, the authority of Satan. He will be absolutely controlled by the devil. You say, okay, well, I get all that, but here's what I don't understand. What I don't understand is if he's going to be all of this, how will he appeal to anybody? Which brings us to the next point. Look at this on your notes. The Antichrist, oddly enough, will have a worldwide appeal. A worldwide appeal. Now, let me pause for a minute and walk into dangerous waters. <laughs> this is where he got fired. <laughs> let me walk into dangerous waters for just a moment. There are certain people running for president who have great appeal to some. I said to some. To some, whether you are Democrat or Republican, whether you support Clinton or you support Trump, there are, these people are people who have great appeal, at least to a certain segment of our society. I mean, folks, that's the only way they got where they got, where they are. The only way they became the Democratic, not, well, <laughs> let, me, let me just go on. Um, the way, the way that they the way that they became the Democratic nominee and the Republican nominee is that they have great appeal to some people, to their constituency. They may or may not have great appeal to you. Uh, that's not what this is about. But I do want you to see that there are people in in the United States of America who look at one of those figures and they say. I'm going to follow that person. I'm going to vote for that person. I'm going to trust that person. I, I'm going to hope that that person is my leader. Now, there's some things I really want to say right here. But I'll just put it this way. I wish we had a third option. I really do. I, I wish we had a third option. But we don't. We've got what we deserve in some ways as a country. Because I'm telling you, I'm really I keep I'm getting off the notes here, but but we I think America is getting what it deserves. When you get away from God, how can you expect to have anything better than this? Can I get an amen there? I mean, when the nation turns its back on God year after year after year, eventually the nation will experience the judgment of God. And this may be the beginning of the judgment of God. Now, none of that was in my notes. But here's what I want you to see. Just like you look at a certain candidate and say, how could anybody vote for her? Or how could anybody vote for him? Just like you look at those candidates and, and wonder how anybody in their right mind would vote for him or for her we can look right now at the Antichrist and say, how would anybody follow him? And here's what I want you to understand. When the Bible speaks of the Antichrist as the beast, it is speaking about his character, not his appearance. The Antichrist will not appear as a hideous creature with claws dripping with blood. He will be very handsome, probably, very charming, very clever, a global charmer. He will have appeal not just to a constituency in the United States. He will have an appeal that is worldwide. He's not going to appear as the Antichrist. He's going to appear as the world leader that could save us. And one of the reasons for his appeal and for his popularity is because the Bible says that he's going to receive, we're not sure exactly how or when, but he's going to receive what is called in the text a deadly wound. And he will be resuscitated. It will be a satanic imitation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when it happens, Satan's propaganda machine will be there To share the story with the world. Uh, Let me just show you this in the text. Let's just read uh, verse 3. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound. But the fatal wound had been healed. Look at this. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. I mentioned this once before, but let me say it again. When John wrote this, that verse was impossible that the whole world would notice something. But we're living in a day when that is commonplace, isn't it? Just next Sunday night, the whole world will be watching what happens in Rio at the Olympics. The whole world can watch anything at one time. That was not possible in the days of John. But you see, prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes, and we don't even recognize it. The very fact that we have satellite images and we have uh, the web, the internet, and the whole world can see something at the same time now, that was not possible 50, years ago. But God, who sees all things as though they are here today, God says there's coming a time when the whole world will see this. The whole world will notice. And when the world sees that the Antichrist comes back to life, his popularity is going to explode. So, let's see what happens. He has not only a worldwide appeal, he has five goals that he will seek to accomplish. He has some ambitions, if you will, as the Antichrist. Verse 4. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The the beast was given a a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. For a limited time, he opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belong to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear... Let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Fill in the blanks here as we talk about the fivefold ambition of the beast or the Antichrist. The first goal is this to deify himself. To deify himself. He wants to be worshipped. It's very clear in the text that we just read. He wants to be worshipped. You know, we already have have had this in the past in world history. In China, they worshipped Mao Zedong. In, In Germany, for a while, they worshipped Adolf Hitler. It's not uncommon for people to worship another man. We've seen that in world history in times past. Great world leaders sometimes... Cause people to worship them. You've seen it in the Old Testament uh, as well, in Babylon and other places. The Antichrist will be worshiped by people around the world. So his first goal is to deify himself, his second goal is to defy the God of heaven. To defy the God of heaven. It says, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. Proud words to to, to utter blasphemies against God. His third goal is to destroy the saints. Verse 7, he was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Let me ask you a question. I haven't let you talk very much, but let me ask you a question now. Who are the saints in this particular text? Who do you think the saints are? And you'll have to say aloud. Who are the... The tribulation saints. Explain who the, what you mean by tribulation saints. Those who are saved after, after Christ raptures His church. Those who are saved during the tribulation. Jews and Gentiles who have been saved after the rapture. They will likely face an awful torturous testing time it will likely uh, the, the best way to describe it is perhaps to look at current day events how isis will will take a group of christians and and say bow down to allah or recant your faith and if you don't do that we're going to cut your head off if, you're, if you don't do that, we're going to put you in a cage and put you under the water. If you, if you don't do that, we're going to burn you alive. ISIS has done all of those things. Just a foreshadowing of what the Antichrist wants to do to all believers around the world who refuse to worship him. So, deify himself, defy the God of heaven, destroy the saints. Number four, dominate the nations. To dominate the nations. In other words, he wants to have global control. It says, verse 7, He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over, look at this, he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. In other words, John was saying, there there was no place on planet earth where he did not have authority. The, the, The islands in Indonesia... The Antarctic, Australia, Germany, Russia, every place you can imagine. It says he's given authority over every tribe, every people, every language, every nation. Now, why is that important? Listen to this. He wants to unify the world through a one-world government. This is where we see the beginning of this establishment of the one world government. He will have authority over all the world. And number five, his ultimate purpose is to delude mankind. Delude mankind. Verses 8 through 10. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. Would you notice that little word all? You might want to underline that word all. In verse 8, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, the Antichrist. And Then John says, all whose names, he clarifies or explains a little further, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. This is as if if John was anticipating when he says the word all that, that we might think, All as in everybody who was alive at that time. And John said, oh, no, 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 no. Here's what I mean by all. What I mean by all is all except those who are saved, except those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and they will worship Him. So that's the Antichrist. Now, let's talk a few minutes about the false prophets. Because John, as he continues this vision, as he explains what he has seen, he talks about not only this beast out of the sea, out of the sea of humanity, but he also talks about the beast out of the earth. The first beast is the Antichrist. The second beast is what I'm calling the false prophet. You see, the Bible teaches in Revelation 13 that the Antichrist is going to have a minister of propaganda, a sinister minister of propaganda, And this second beast is going to be to the Antichrist what the Holy Spirit is to the true Christ. You'll see that in just a moment. Well, What does the Bible say about this false prophet? First of all, it says that this false prophet will be a servant of Satan. Look at verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. This one not out of the sea, this one was coming out of the earth. And John said, and, and he had two horns like a lamb. In other words, he looked like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Interesting descri- uh, description. He seems as harmless as a lamb, but don't let that fool you because he speaks like a dragon. And notice that he comes out of the earth. And to me, this is so interesting. Literally, it means that he will come... Out of the land. When you translate it, it literally means, it put in the side notes column there, that, that coming out of the earth literally means he will come out of the land or from the land. Many Bible scholars believe that this could be and might be a reference to Palestine. That the false prophet will come out of the land. You see, if you've read your Bible much at all, you know that often, especially in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, uh, Palestine was often called the land. the land. The promised land, the land that God was leading his people to. The, it was the land that belonged to Israel. If that is true, then what this would indicate is that this false prophet may come from the land of Israel. This false prophet would, would if that's true, would be an apostate Jew. Now, isn't it interesting that the Antichrist probably is coming from the Gentiles? The false prophet is probably coming from Israel. An apostate Jew. The word apostate, by the the way, means one who abandons what he or she believes. That's an apostate. Somebody that abandons what they believe. Now think about it. Who better to lead Israel into making a covenant with the Antichrist than a Jew? Doesn't that make sense? Someone from Israel leading Israel to make a, a covenant with the Antichrist? I mean, he would certainly hide his apostasy for the first three and a half years. And then at the point in time, He'll turn on the fellow Jews. That's why he looks like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. The Antichrist will use the false prophet to bring Israel to this place of making a covenant in hopes of rebuilding their temple. And this false prophet, who likely will come from from Israel, who likely will come from the land, who likely will be a Jew, will be instrumental, will be a key figure, who will be respected by many. And this key political figure will lead Israel to make this pact. Write this in the side notes there, a side column. The Antichrist will be, for a time, the world's political leader, and the false prophet will be the, world, the world's religious leader. I'll say that again I'll write that down in the side column. The Antichrist, for time, will be the world's political leader, and the false prophet will be the world's religious leader. That is so plain, so clear when you read verse 12. The Bible says, "...he," that is, the false prophet, "...this beast out of the earth, out of the land," He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Please understand an important point. Satan is not against religion. In fact, he will use religion to deceive millions of people. During this time of tribulation, the false prophet will be a key religious figure in the world. It's it's, it's just mind-boggling to think about how it will come about. But he will use religious props, and he will be a key religious figure, and everything will sound religious. But what he's doing is convincing the world to worship the Antichrist. Now, please don't let that surprise you. The false prophet is going to use religion as a means of unifying the world. But it will be a religion without Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, any religion without Jesus is a false religion. But most of the people of the world will not notice, they will not care, and they will blindly follow the teaching of the false prophet. I can already see that starting to take place in our world, can't you? It is becoming more and more acceptable to have a religion without Jesus. And those who do have a religion based on Jesus are being criticized, looked down upon, condemned. And one day will be persecuted. Some already are. Most of the people of the world will not notice or will not care that this religion that the world is buying into is absent or void of Jesus Christ. In fact, they will probably celebrate that fact that this is a religion without Christ. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a great point. That's how you identify whether or not it's a Mormon church or a Christian church because the Mormon churches don't have a cross. The false prophet will appear to the world as a man who is very kind, more than likely. Again, this is going to be a religious person. He's going to be very kind, very religious, very holy. He will not come out as a demon of darkness. He will come out as an angel of light. Satan's not against worship at all. He's not against religion at all. In fact, he promotes religion even today. witchcraft. Occult of practices, spiritism, Eastern religions, astrology, all of that is is simply fueled by Satan's desire to be worshipped. And so, the devil will use religion for his own wicked purposes. And to me, this is so interesting because, you know this, and I believe you'll agree with this, man is by nature inherently religious, aren't we? Just by nature, we worship something. I mean, you can just go to other parts of the world and, and you can go, you know, to a very remote place and they're worshiping something. Now, they may be worshiping a rock, but they're worshiping something. They may be uh, killing chickens and offering, as I saw in China, killing chickens and offering them at a, at a at our sacrifice at a rock. I saw that in China. It's like man is by nature inherently religious. They know that there is something that ought to be worshiped, they just don't know who it is. And so Satan will use that to his advantage and he will convince the world to worship him. Now, when men refuse to worship God who became a man, they will easily worship the man who will pretend to be God. One day during the time of tribulation, this false prophet is, who is masquerading as a religious leader will promote a new religion. And this new religion will be focused on the Antichrist. You see, let me read it one more time, then I'm going to kind of drive home the point. Verse 12, read it one more time. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf. Now notice this phrase, on his behalf, and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. One of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ and lead people to faith in Him and to worship Him. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit is to help people understand who Jesus is and to lead people to trust in Jesus and to worship Jesus, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit is to Jesus, the Antichrist I mean the, the false prophet, will be to the Antichrist. The false prophet will be like the Holy Spirit. His goal will be to glorify the Antichrist and lead people to trust him and worship him. And he'll have all the satanic power of Satan to do it. Which brings me to the second point of the false prophet. The false prophet will be a master of miracles. Now, folks, I want you to listen very carefully to this. This is the last point in the study, but I want you to follow this very, very carefully. He'll be a master of miracles. Verse 13. And he performed great and miraculous signs. Who is he in this text? Who is he in this context? The false prophet. And he, the false prophet, this religious leader, this worldwide religious leader. And he performed great and miraculous signs. Even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view. Of men, Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Let's talk about this master of miracles, satanic miracles. It talks about miraculous signs. That's deceptive signs that will lead the world into devil worship. Did you know that Satan has power, supernatural power, to do miracles? It's all in the Bible. Let's go to Matthew twenty four twenty four for a moment. Jesus talked about this very thing. Matthew 24:24. 24, 24. Jesus said, "For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. They'll perform great signs and miracles, Jesus said, and they would try to deceive even the elect if that were possible. You see, here's what he's talking about. If you and I were to depend upon our our own natural wisdom, we would be deceived. If we were to depend upon our own understanding, what we saw would deceive us. If we did not know the Word of God and have the Spirit of God, we too would be deceived. That's the only thing that will keep us from being deceived. So those who do not have the Spirit of God within them, all of them will be deceived. Easily won over. You see, the devil often imitates the miracles of God. Let me illustrate this for you. Do you remember when Moses was trying to get the people of God out of Egypt? Remember that Moses performed miracles by the power of God? Do you remember what happened when Moses would perform miracles? The Egyptian magicians would perform a similar miracle. How did they do that? Because Satan has miraculous powers as well. He has supernatural powers as well. Now, he does not have powers equal to God, but he does have that that type of of power. So the magicians of Pharaoh did the same kind of tricks, if you will, or or, uh, magic, if you will, that Moses did. Let me say it to you plainly, folks. Listen to me. Just because a person is a miracle worker does not mean that they are from God. I sometimes get bothered by these preachers who spend all of their time healing people and they never talk about Jesus or the cross. Now, I believe that there is healing. I believe that there are some people who are gifted in that. I'm not trying to criticize that. But we need to understand that not every miracle is from the Lord. I believe that in this time, the false prophet will bring about all kinds of healings, all kinds of miracles. He'll be honored as a great and as a mighty miracle worker. He'll have a worldwide following. This false prophet will be such a religious leader with a worldwide following because he has this ability to perform miracles. And he'll be able, the Bible says, even to call fire down from heaven. Anybody in the Old Testament do that? Who, Who did that in the Old Testament? Elijah, he will be an Elijah-like prophet, able to call even fire down from heaven. Now, I just saw this this afternoon, and I'm not saying this, that this is an illustration of what happens, but I, am sure, I wanted you to see that this is something that others will notice around the world. Uh, last night, fire streaked across the sky from out of the heavens. Fire fell out of the heavens last night in the western part of the United States. Uh, there, you can go online and read about it. It was all over the western part of the United States. People saw this this fire coming across the heavens. They believe it was a, uh, a rocket, a Chinese rocket, that was re-entering the earth and was burning up as it was entering. It was breaking up and burning up. And I saw a video of it. You can see this fire streak across the sky. And my point is simply this. So, they, the... the uh, uh, the, the news uh, services and, and the police department had hundreds and hundreds of calls, people c- calling in wanting to know what that fire was streaking across the sky. If man can do that with a man-made rocket, don't you think Satan who will have miraculous powers and the false prophet who will have miraculous power, it's not going to be unusual for them to call fire in the heavens and when they call down fire from the heavens i want to tell you something it will get everybody's attention the phones will be ringing at the at, at the police department the phones will be ringing at CNN and and Fox News everybody will be talking about the fire that came down from heaven simply because this prophet declared it and he will blind mankind with his bag of satanic tricks. Now, before we close, I want you to see a few scriptures. This, we're going to close by, there's three or four scriptures, so I want you to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. You might want to write that reference down. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. Displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. I want you to notice that he says that this coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. Displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, And wonders. Go over one book to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit clearly says that in the later times, or latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Why would anybody abandon the faith? Why would anybody... Follow something taught by demons because they won't realize that it's from demons. They won't realize what's happening. They will just see this miraculous display and they will blindly start following that. Go to Revelation chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Revelation chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs, and they came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons, performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. So, and we'll talk about this in more detail when we get there, but but. The way that the kings of the earth are the reason that the kings of the earth are going to gather for the battle of Armageddon? How do you convince the kings of the earth to go against God? Because there will be this satanic deception and through miraculous signs, the demons will perform miraculous signs that will lure people away from the one true God. And and so we go back. <clears throat> well, there's one other scripture. Um well, let's go to chapter 13. I, right, let me give you a reference. Write it down. I won't have time to read it. Let me give you another reference. Write it down. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4. Deuteronomy 13. I'll tell you what. I'm going to read it anyway. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 4. This is, this is, this is powerful. And, and it's amazing that it's in the Old Testament rather than in the book of Revelation. Deuteronomy 13 one through four. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, Let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him or with all of your heart, and with all of your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow, and Him you must revere. Keep His commands and obey Him. Serve Him and hold fast to Him. In other words, God told us even in the days of the Old Testament, as His people were entering into the Promised Land, God said, let me tell you something, there is a devil and his desire is to lure you away from the one true God. And if he has to use miraculous powers to do it, he will use it to lure you away from the one true God. And so you see on the bottom of your notes what Satan cannot do by deception. If he can't lure you away by deception, he will do it by force. Go back to Revelation thirteen, 15. We're going to just read this and we may come back and study it the next time we're together. Revelation chapter 13 verse 15 what he cannot do by deception, he will do by force. Look what it says. He has been given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that, if he, so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also, what's that next word? He also what? He also forced, everybody couldn't deceive, he forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. What he cannot do by deception, if he cannot deceive you, he will do by force or at least try to. Verse 18, this calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast For it is man's number. His number is 666. Probably next time we'll talk about the mark of the beast. But I I would spend, if I were you, some time in Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 4 and let that sink into your soul that you shall not be deceived, but you will hold fast to God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we recognize that this world is quickly moving towards the day when the Antichrist will come onto the world stage. This world is quickly moving to the day when the false prophet will arise and will be deceiving the people of the world. Help us to walk in faithfulness with you to not be deceived by miracles around us. Help us, O Lord, to be faithful to the one true God, to hold fast to the Lord Jesus Christ and to Him alone. May we never follow anything other than Jesus. May we never be lured to anything. Other than Jesus. May we never be deceived. And may we always. Trust in him. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.